bow our heads and pray. Father, this morning we step into this room thankful for the opportunity to again be in the same room. And Father, I know there are several at home that are still joining in or in different places joining in uh, via a live stream and, and they wish they were in this room. And Father, it's hard for us to feel that distance that we felt for so many months. It's hard to feel the uncertainty of the things that are going on around us. But Father, this morning as we look at your word and remember that you are perfect in your ways and that you are so far beyond our understanding and our ability to grasp who you are. And we know, Father, that your vast um, knowledge and understanding and greatness that exists beyond this world is holding this world together, Father, that you hold this world in your hands and that, Father, you have given us the opportunity to call on the name of the one who created the heavens and the earth, that created the air that we breathe, that created the bodies that we walk around in, Father, we recognize and understand the presence that we stand in right here in this moment. And Father, as we step into a time of study, a time of, of looking at your word, Father, there are things that we carried into this room, burdens, there are anchors, there's hurt, there's frustration. There's so many things that we walk around with day to day that we're not very good at setting down. And Father, sometimes it's easy for us to lift up the requests of those who are close to us, those who are friends, those we love, and lay those at your feet. And so, Father, we do that. Father, we think of this friend, Melissa, Father, and the, and the needs that are there, Father, and the things that she's going through, Father, I pray that you would be in that situation. I think about Steve, Father, we, our, our, our love for him is so much, and we, we know that he's going through a lot fighting this stuff. And so, Father, I pray that you would continue to give him strength. For our friend Jim and his family, who we love so dearly, and the struggle of, that they face ahead of them and the different things of uncertainty, Father, I just pray for strength and comfort, Father, for um, other friends that we know are battling cancer, Father, for a mother in the hospital who's dealing with heart failure, Father, I pray that you would continue to work like we know you do, that you would continue pr to provide in ways that we know only you can, and Father, I pray that we would be able to lay those down at your feet and trust you in those things. But Father, I also pray that you would give us the strength and ability to take you at your word, to hear your word and see your word and know that it is true and know that you actually expect us to follow you, to be like you. That Father, when you were preaching that sermon on the mount, that you weren't just expecting those to be words and general guidelines that we kind of just sort of maybe get close to. But that, Father, your heart for us was to have a heart like yours, that we would be perfectly one with you and abide in you and become like you, that it would no longer be us who live, that, but that it would be you that lives through us and in us. And so, Father, I pray right now for all the hardships, all the struggles that we carried in on our own hearts and our own minds this morning. The fears, the frustrations, the anger, the, the annoyance, the... Father, our world is just throwing so much at us, Father, the exhaustion... Father, I pray that we would trust you with who we are, that we would trust you with the emotions and the struggles we face, and that we would lay those down at your feet this morning, and that this morning you would be allowed, that we would give you space and surrender and offer ourselves up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, so that you would have room to do transformative work within us. 
And so, Father, right now I pray for your people, whether they be sitting at home and watching via a live stream or sitting here in this room, Father, I pray for your people that we would have open hearts to seek you and to know you and to be united with you in the way that you intended. I love you. It's in the precious name of Jesus I pray all these things. Amen. I figure, you know, if we're going to talk about calling on God in prayer, it's probably a good place to start, right? <laughs> probably ought to maybe put that into practice. And um, so we might be doing a little bit more of that as we kind of move through our time. So just, you know, know that it's okay. Know that no one's here to judge anybody. If you feel like you want to speak up and pray and call on his name, doesn't matter who's listening. Part of doing it together as a community, as a body, means we can agree and pray in unison together lifting those prayers up together and being a support system for one another in those prayers. But as we kind of move on into a sermon time, I got a question for you. How many of you like trivia games? Anybody? Those of you who like trivia games, uh, do you find yourself fairly knowledgeable? Is that why you like them? No? Is it more fun to, when you know all the answers? You're like, you feel, like, if you got a trivia, like we used to play this uh, Disney trivia game. It was actually a Disney scenic game. And so it was a lot of trivia stuff based off Disney movies. And, you know, like I grew up with a lot of Disney catalog. And so I always felt pretty sharp on that one. I was like, I'm going to win this. Like, let's, let's go. I got this. Um, but then there are other versions of trivia where, like, we had a, a version of Trivial Pursuit for a while. It was 90s edition. I'm like, I kind of, you know lived through a lot of that, and yet I was horrible at that game, because like, there's so many things I'm like, I don't know. That's such a weird question, right? The more you know and the more you understand, the more likely it is you want to play that one, right? And the less you know, the more likely you are to want to steer away from that one, right? Because we like to feel knowledgeable, yes? We like to have answers. And so What's interesting is when it comes to Scripture and it comes to following God and His Word, there are certain topics we like to steer clear of because when someone says, what's the Trinity? Can I get a volunteer to step up here and explain to me what the Trinity is? Anybody want to stick their neck out and do that? Okay, that's what I figured. Because um, <laughs> I'm not sure I do either, but uh, no, it's good. Because when we ask certain questions and we ask certain topics and throw things out there, we don't feel as confident in our knowledge on a particular subject and therefore, we kind of shy away from it. But specifically with the Trinity, that's a topic I feel like we need to discuss just a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Because when we discuss prayer and our stepping into God's presence, into this relationship with Him, an understanding of the Trinity greatly helps us understand our prayer life and how we walk into that. Because if we understand how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all of this stuff and what is the Trinity, that's going to impact how we understand who we're going before, who we're calling on. When we pray, a lot of times we say what to start off with? Our Father, right? Because Jesus taught us to pray that way, right? And he says, our Father. And so we, we're praying to the Father. And what's the role of Jesus? And what's the role of the Holy Spirit? And when we say Father, what do we really mean by that? And so I want to take a few minutes today just to talk briefly about the Trinity. Because if you didn't know this, the word Trinity exists nowhere in Scripture. Did you know that? The word Trinity is not in Scripture. So now we're going, well, why are you going to teach something that's not in Scripture? That seems messed up. But the reality is the word that we use to describe Trinity, the, this Godhead three in one, may not be specifically in Scripture, but the theology, the idea, the 
understanding that there's more to God than what we can wrap our head around is all throughout Scripture, from the very beginning all the way through. Now, the first thing to understand is this. When we start talking about the Trinity, there's a lot of different ways people twist and tweak and kind of maneuver around the subject to try to explain it that really ultimately end up breaking our understanding of it. So some people might say, well, God is one God, right? But he kind of takes different forms. And so we talk about, um, you've heard maybe somebody explain the ice cube, maybe. So like we have water and it's maybe a liquid or a solid or a gas. It takes three different forms, but that's not how this really works because God, the Trinity, Godhead, the three and one is three distinct persons, which is a word that kind of messes with us because when we say three distinct persons, we think like it's a three-seater, right? It's a th- like this car's got room for three persons and that's what we think. Like, you know, there's, there's this idea that there are three individual bodies that are separate and that kind of messes with our head, but then there's this idea that God switches forms and one minute he's up in heaven, but then the next minute he's on earth, and the next minute he's just kind of invisible, swooping around and whispering in our ears. If we're not careful, we get a misunderstanding that God doesn't switch forms back and forth, that God isn't just three different deities that all team up as kind of one superpower. It's this concept that kind of goes beyond our understanding. So let's start real quick with God is one, okay? This idea is all throughout Scripture. There's one passage. I'm just going to read a couple of you. There's, I say one passage. There are a lot of passages that would point back to this. But one is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Another one, if you don't, like, there's that, that's the Old Testament, right? So maybe things are different with some new perspective in the New Testament, but here's what Paul says when he writes to the Romans. Since God is one... Who will, who will just the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised? That may be a typo. I'm not sure. But the important part here is the beginning. <laughs> Since God is one, right? Paul is reiterating this statement right at the beginning of this passage that God is one. And so we have this picture, this understanding that the Godhead is completely one. Which makes our head hurt because then we have passages like this where Jesus says something along these lines. If you go over to Matthew 28, this is a passage we're familiar with. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You'll notice, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. If we were to say, go do this in the names of our friends Bill, Bob, and Sam, right? We would use, do this in the names of, right? Like, the, like multiple names. Like we would be referencing multiple different things. But here, it's interesting. Jesus uses the word name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We, we become so accustomed to hearing that, do this in the name of the Father and the Son, that we kind of miss the significance of the fact he's kind of addressing them as a singular name, a singular entity, this one singular concept, yet he's referencing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This kind of messes with our heads, and it kind of hurts because, and I, I think this is important, 
we shouldn't shy away from trying to understand and know everything we can about how God functions. It's not one of those issues we should go like, well, I've been told it's kind of like more than we can understand, which is true. Because if God was within our realm of understanding, if, if all of his concepts and who he was and what he was and everything we could grasp about him was understandable by us, wouldn't he not be as great of God? Would he not be beyond us as the creator and we being the creation? Like, we want to learn and understand as much as possible about him. But it, Jesus himself, said, or in, not Jesus himself, in Philippians it says that Jesus understood that equality with God was not something to be grasped. Like, trying to put ourselves on the same level, trying to be at that same level as God isn't something we can just grasp in our minds. And therefore, there is something good about a God that is beyond our understanding. And yet, at the same time, there is a lot of information in the scriptures that help flesh out this concept of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we will get more into those over the next couple of weeks because I want us to take a look at each individual piece, each individual person. But before we do that, I want to throw up this uh, definition, this kind of working definition of the, um, the Trinity. This comes out uh, kind of a one scholar's kind of definition, working definition is this. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God in eternal relationship with each other. So here's the important things I want you to see here. Distinct persons, so absolutely distinct, not just different forms, but different distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God, which is important because there is no hierarchy system. One is not above the other. They are all equally God from what we understand in different passages of Scripture. And then on top of that, in eternal relationship. Eternal relationship means that we have Scripture in Genesis and in first, or in not first John, John chapter 1 that talk both about the Spirit hovering over the waters, right? This idea that God, is the, whole, God the Holy Spirit is there in the beginning. That Jesus, the Word, was there in the beginning. All things were created by Him and for Him. There in the beginning. This relationship, this trinity, this triune God has been there from all of eternity. It wasn't like Jesus all of a sudden started to exist in Bethlehem. Jesus, the Son, has been a part of this completely equal, completely distinct but yet completely unified Godhead since the beginning. Anybody else's head hurt? Just making sure. Okay, that's okay, right? It's okay for our head to hurt a little bit because God's ways are supposed to be higher than our ways. The Word says so. And we look at all these concepts and say, that's really easy to say. Why? Like, if I know that y'all would like some scripture, and we will continue to talk about it, and you'll get more scripture over the next couple weeks. So I, I ask you to hang with me, because if you ask me to show you all the passages this morning, we'd be here a long while, right? Because scripture is chock full of references to this concept, these ideas. And we'll continue to give you more of those resources as time goes on. But what we need to really grasp and understand this morning is this trinity, this triune three-in-one God is this beautiful, beautiful picture of complete and perfect unity. 
And that's why I think it's important we start there this morning. Because why does this affect and impact our prayer life? Well, there's a couple ways. Because number one, when we pray to God the Father, what's that mean? How are we going before God the Father? When we pray in Jesus' name, what does that mean? Why are we praying in Jesus' name? What's that look like? When Scripture says the Spirit intercedes on our behalf, what does that mean? What does that have to do with my prayer life? I think we can flesh out some of what our prayers should look like and and how we can better understand the relationship we're entering into. But what I think is really deeply important is that God, by very nature, since the beginning of all of our time and understanding, God, by his very nature, is relationship. God, by very nature, is unity. The ideas that we see throughout Scripture that talk about, hey, leave your offer, or leave, if you have something against your brother or sister, if you are angry and frustrated and there's something causing division between you, leave your offering at the altar and go reconcile that before you come and give your offering. Why do you think that is? Because God, absolute character and presence, the perfection, the holiness of God is all of those things we talk about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But when you listen to those words and really think about them, all of them are relational words, how we interact with each other. The very essence of the fruits of the Spirit working in us produce healthy, unified relationship. A God who is by very nature in constant, perfect unity and relationship wants that for us. Not just with one another, but with him. First, or in the book, I don't know why I keep saying 1 John today. John chapter 15, Dan, if you got that one there, or 17, sorry, my bad. It is chapter 17, it's there after the, there we go. Um, let's read it from here. It says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So not just the disciples who are here with me in the moment. This is the Last Supper. After the Last Supper, they're going to the garden so Jesus can pray before he's crucified. This is the prayer he is praying with his disciples before he goes to face the cross. And he's saying, but also for those, not just for the ones that are with me right here, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So in other words, us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That goes on and continues to talk about this unity. He continues to pray for this oneness, this perfect connection and relationship, this perfect unity. And so when he calls us to pray, when he calls us to come before him because the Son has given us the ability to fall at his feet. The Son has given us the ability to no longer be separated from God in relationship with him because of our sin. We now have the ability to come into his presence. He is offering us relationship. He is offering us this opportunity to enter into this perfect unity that is a part of his very nature so that we can be transformed into his likeness and become more and more like him, unified perfectly with him, but also so that we can be perfectly unified together, one, just as he and the Father are one. And so we have to realize and see that the Trinity plays an important part in our prayer life because we are 
in our prayer life being called into this beautiful and perfect relationship. I've been quoting that book from Timothy Keller off and on throughout this series, and I want to throw up another quote that's in that book. It says this, as Augustine wrote, I forgot to correct that, sorry, Wart wrote in his great work on the Trinity, our ability to love other persons is just an image of the eternal Trinitarian love that we were created to reflect. We can see why a triune God would call us to converse with him, to know and to relate to him. It is because he wants to share the joy he has. Prayer is our way of entering into the happiness of God himself. God experiences perfect joy and unity through this Trinitarian Godhead thing that kind of makes our head go pop. And I get that. It makes our head just kind of like, I, it's hard to wrap our minds around what all this means because it's just not the way we're wired to think. We think persons, we think individual people, we, we use language that's kind of constricted to our understanding of things. And, and in reality, there's this much bigger picture that Scripture is painting for us. And for us to kind of say it depends on us understanding this more, we kind of go, oh man, I may be in trouble then. <laughs> but Ultimately, what we need to understand, at least today and day one, is that God calling us into this relationship, into this prayer life, is Him sharing the joy and fullness of perfect unity and oneness, not just with one another, but with Him. That is a beautiful, beautiful gift. We talked about the urgency and need for prayer, like the dependency on prayer like it was essential for our life to continue on we believe that we believe that calling on God's name trusting and depending on his strength trusting and depending on his guidance is essential but on top of that we have to realize the beauty of the gift that it is the beauty of him asking us into this relationship with himself because he loves and cares for us and desires to share this complete and full joy of relationship with us he did not call us to lay down that offering and go fix things because he likes to watch us squirm as we have tough conversations. Because let's be honest, going to have a conversation with someone who you have a broken relationship with is like saying, hey, would you like to walk across this bed of hot coals? It'll be fun, right? It's going to be miserable because those conversations stink. He doesn't do that because he's mean or vindictive or awful. He does that because he knows the fullness of the joy of what pure, perfect, unified relationship is, and he wants to share that joy with you. But he knows that we don't have the strength on our own, and therefore wants to offer up that pure, beautiful, unified relationship of himself with us so that we can walk with him in oneness and fullness just as he did. It's an amazing gift that he's offering to us, not something he's calling us to that he wouldn't himself first go do, because that's one of the other things that we'll get into and we'll talk about, because what starts to make our head hurt is this Godhead three in one. In the midst of all that, Jesus is fully human and fully man as well, and we go, wait, 100% of both? That doesn't add up, right? But fully God and fully human the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like, 
this idea that he understands and is willing to go through the things he's asking us to go through because he loves us enough to invite us into that perfect relationship and would go to great lengths to be able to give us that gift, to be able to call us back to himself, to let us be his people. That's a beautiful thing. And so we're going to have a song of invitation. We're going to do this a little different than we did last week. The team's going to come back up and we're going to sing a song of invitation and Here's what I want you to do. Um, we already kind of had a time to share some requests and some things for other people, and we had a time for you to lift up your prayers um, to God directly. And what I would like you to do during this time is if you just feel like you need prayer right now, the coming up and laying on hands and being around each other isn't a thing. But we used to do this in youth group all the time. I'd always say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a few quiet moments to pray for the person on our right, and to pray for the person on our left. You didn't have to do it out loud, you just prayed quietly. And that way we kind of knew as we were sitting in a circle, everybody was have somebody praying for them. Because we knew that it didn't have to be spoken out loud, it didn't have to be in that moment everybody gathered around, it just needed to be us praying for one another and lifting each other up. And we may not know the full details, that's okay. But what I want you to do is here is this. If you just feel like you need to come forward, or you need to pray, or you just need prayer over you, during this time, just lift up your hand for a moment, Okay? Yes, the people around you are going to see you. But just like every time we come up front to pray at the, up here at the front with everybody gathered around us, people see, and they may not know what's going on, but they can pray with you and for you. By that same token, they can pray for you as you raise your hand and pray over you in that moment without gathering around. We'll be doing the same. Afterwards, if you want follow-up and you want us to know some of those things and want us to be praying specifically, come catch me. I'll be in the back after we're done. Just let me know. But during this moment of invitation, I want you to wrestle with God, how beautiful of a gift it is that you gave us relationship with you and with each other. Recognize the beauty of that gift and what he's calling us to. And if you just feel like you need prayer to lay something down so that you can fix relationship with somebody else, you need prayer because you need to lay something down so that you can pursue and chase after that relationship with God and there's something keeping you from doing it, just lift up your hand. We can pray for you without knowing all the specific details. Sound good? So if you would, stand with me. Justin's hands up, everybody. Justin's hands up. He's sick this morning. We miss him. Um, just be praying for him. Well, let's, we're going to sing. Uh, after I'm about, I'll pray. I'll pray, and we'll go into a time of singing invitation. Father, I love you, and I love your gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And so this morning, Father, we recognize how good and perfect and good your gifts are. And so, Father, I just pray in this moment you would speak to our hearts and call us into that relationship so that we would no longer chase and pursue our own things, but that we would chase and pursue you and everything you desire for us with everything we have. Help us to understand this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.